This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. I'm John DiCarlo, joined once again by Dante Colinelli and Sam Cohn. Kyle Gauss is not with us today. We miss him. Hope he's doing well. We'll have him hopefully next week. Season seven, episode 17. Sam, I know you're, you've uh, studied famous number 17s for us. What do you have? Philip Rivers. That was on you the got spot. One. There you go. I actually got really scared when you said that. Yeah. I was like, today is today's Philip Rivers' birthday. So that does. Is it really? Duty. Uh, it is, really. I think. I'm playing there are no is, coincidences yeah. in life. It might have been yesterday, but it could be today. I thought it was today. I don't know. I could how be wrong. Guys, how do you guys know it's his birthday? The internet. One of my friends <laughs> is a is a Chargers fan. Uh, those exist. I know. Shocker. And he he was talking about it. So uh, Dante, number seventeen. What do you think of? Mine was going to be Philip Rivers. So I I've stalled talking about his birthday, trying to come up with another one, and I have been unsuccessful in doing so. Uh, Brock Osweiler. There you go. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> There's your number 17. Very nice. What about Devontae Adams? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I never think of 17 as a wide receiver number. I, I know that it like technically is, but it like that is always a quarterback number in my head. I don't Scott, know why. Scott Rowland. Was he 27? Oh no, he was 27. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, he was 27. Yeah. He was not number 17. I yeah. failed. My my favorite wow. baseball player of all time, Scott Rowland. Well, really? John, we're never going to let you live this one down. That was super embarrassing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference between there's a difference between goofing on Scott Rowan and you as a Red Sox fan goofing on the most iconic Red Sox player of all time. The Teddy Williams episode, episode number two. <laughs> Apples and oranges. Tomato, tomato. Potato, potato. Other fruits. Anyway. Well... Welcome back, everybody. This will be a mailbag-heavy episode. We've got some basketball to talk about. And, of course, Temple's ongoing coaching search. Uh, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. I, a source that I uh, usually trust and doesn't leave me wrong, it said that the search might be wrapping up by this point in the week. It obviously has not. Uh, but uh, once again, like I said, in the mailbag, we'll get to – uh, we'll get to your football questions. We will get to the coaching search questions. We've got some uh, some interesting questions this week. Some of them off topic. Some of them a little dark, but whatever. We'll we'll answer them. Answer, excuse me, answer them. Uh, so, but let's talk first about this Temple basketball team. Uh, they win on the road last night at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, on one hand, we don't want to confuse this Vanderbilt team with a team that's going to win the SEC, but still. Uh, the first true road win of the season for Temple, nonetheless, uh, 72-68 in overtime, uh, thanks in part to some timely foul shooting from, from Ty Strickland and, of course, a big three-pointer with Damian Dunn with 20 seconds left. Sam, I'll, I'll go over to you uh, on this one first. What did you, what'd you think of what you saw last night? That was quite the basketball game. That was <laughs> quite the basketball game. The most uh, – 
I don't want to say it was like a great game because for 37 minutes, like it really wasn't. It was actually oh, absolutely really, was not. It was like it was really bad. Play with peach baskets. It was it was really bad. Um, in the beginning, it, it was a lot of like Vandy's defense played a lot of high pressure. Uh, brought a lot of quick doubles and really kind of forced Temple to ping the ball around. Really forced a lot of quick passes. So in in a little in a little way that kind of like helped helped keep Temple's offense from getting stagnant. Um, but neither team could really shoot the ball that well. Like Temple was really only putting putting points on the board just through its athleticism, like able to get through guys, able to get to close, you know, able to get to the basket. Ty Strickland had one like really nice lefty float, like offhand floater. Um, when I'm when I was watching back watching the game back this morning, like for but for a lot of the game, like neither team really shot the ball very well. Like they for the most part limited Scotty Pippen Jr. Um and then you get to the last like two minutes of regulation. Uh, I think Temple was up by nine with like a little under two minutes left. And maybe with Caleb, they closed it out. It's not a problem. Um, but they were hitting free throws, but Vandy was also like chipping their way back. There was a couple. Um, there was like that one out of bounds call at the end that gave Vanderbilt the shot at the end. So Vanderbilt hung around. Uh, and then obviously the Scotty Pippen Jr. three from the corner was pretty ridiculous. Goes to regulation. Overtime, Temple falls behind pretty quick. That was like, that was a huge momentum shift. When Scotty Pippen hits Jr. hits the three from the corner, then they go into OT. Temple falls down by five. And you start to think Temple was up nine with, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes left, and they're going to fall apart and blow this. This is the kind of thing that Temple did a, I don't want to say did a lot of last year because they just weren't able to close out games like that. Um, but it's a similar thing. We're in a close game late. It's a young team. This was the the hope was that Temple kind of learns from last year, more experienced guys are able to close out games like this. Um, and they crawled their way back. Jaleel White hits one free throw to tie the game. And then they get a stop. And then I think it was the Ty Strickland. I think it was tied. They're bringing the ball. Vanderbilt's bringing the ball up. And Ty Strickland gets that steal that he thought they call the foul on. You see his face. He's like, no way. Really, really underrated defensive possession uh, throughout the entire game. The last three minutes of overtime, Temple played really well. They were hitting free throws, something they haven't done a lot of. But I think the big takeaway is that Dame shot. It has to be. Because without Caliph, the uh, – and I know we're going to talk about this. You know, might kind of circle back to this later. But without Caliph, the – the narrative was like, okay, Temple doesn't have a guy that can just go out there and get a bucket. And they don't have a guy like when they're in scoring droughts. And I wrote about this a little bit earlier in the week. And they don't have a guy that when they need a shot late, can get that shot and can knock it down. Damien Dunn shut me right up. Damien Dunn went out there. That was a stone cold shot. Um, had the ball, they had the ball with like 40 seconds left. Jeremiah had it at the top of the key, gave it to Dame. And you can see Dame kind of call for the ISO. And you got guys posted up in the corner ready if he needs it, but he wasn't passing it. He almost lost the ball, recovers, goes between the legs, between the legs, and just fires. And you can see his confidence was through the roof after that shot. So that's the biggest takeaway. But, I mean, holistically speaking, that was against a not very good Vandy team. The way they played in the last seven minutes, two minutes of regulation and five minutes of overtime, I I would call that a statement win. Just the way they they were able to fight back and win that game and, and close statement that out. Win. Wow, on a the road win. too. Dante, would you call it a statement win? I don't know about a statement. I don't know how good that Vanderbilt team is, man. I, I'm not like the 
the basketball analyst that Sam is, but like that was some bad basketball. For well, that's, like, that's what I'm saying is that 80% I'm like, I, of the game. Yeah. And I don't think I, I don't want to give Vandy too much credit because Vanderbilt was not that great. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I forget the other guy's name, number four, something, uh, and then something man or Jordan, Wright, Uh, something man and Scotty Pippen jr. All played pretty well, but like as a whole, as a team, the main man, Scotty Pippen jr. Yeah. Jordan, Wright. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt didn't play that well, but the way Temple was able to like just kind of figure things out late, right? Fight back, knock down free throws, you know, play really good team defense, like on the road. That was that was a really really good win for them. No, oh, I, I agree. Confidence wise, more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm teasing you more than anything. Again, we don't want to confuse Vanderbilt with one of the top teams in the SEC, but that's still a, a good road win. Vandy was favored by what eight, eight and a half, eight and a half or whatever yeah. it's worth. And um, you know, to win that game without Caleb Battle, something they're gonna have to learn how to do for the rest of the season. Uh again, I think that you know, when they had, you know, at one point in the game, I think both teams went through scoring droughts of more than five minutes or close to five minutes against a better team. You're probably gonna you're gonna be down double digits at, at that point. But they did find a way to win, you know, the 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 Scotty Pippen Jr. three from the corner seemed unlikely, but you know, he got that, got that shot off. The the lone blemish for Damian Dunn last night was seven turnovers and 16 total for Temple. Uh, before we get into the mailbag, and again, Temple real quick has uh St. Joe's this Saturday uh, as they move into their what their third big five game. They've beaten Penn, they've beaten LaSalle, uh, they have St. Joe's Saturday, Villanova near the end of this month, uh, a struggling St. Joe's team that they'll have Saturday, but um, seven turnovers for Damian Dunn. Of course, the, the big shot, uh, six assists for Jeremiah Williams, Quincy Adam McCoy gets the start again, one of five in 20 minutes. All five of those attempts were from three. We'll talk about him a little bit more in the mailbag. We want to talk before we get to that mailbag about Ty Strickland again. So you look at his line from last night, 34 minutes. And again, th- those 34 minutes come off the bench in overtime. So there's extra basketball there. Five of 12 from the floor, two of six from three, nine of 12 from the line, seven rebounds, uh, just one turnover, two blocks out of Ty Strickland and a steal uh, and a team high 21 points. And that was also a game high 21 points. Sam, you've, you've written about him. We've talked about Ty last year was kind of, kind of non-factor. We've talked about the fact that his shoulder maybe wasn't ever truly in its right place. Now it does seem to be. Uh, did you think he would be? And again, there's a long way to go with the season. I'll throw this out to both of you guys. Did you think he would be as good as he's been as and as important as he's been to the team this season? I think it's hard to answer now comparative to like what I thought his what we thought his role would be at the beginning of the season, just because without Caliph, like he takes on so much, I think, larger of a burden. Mm-hmm. Um we talked about with Chris Clark on the last time Chris Clark was on the pod, whenever that was, we had talked a little bit about how good Ty was defensively last year. It was his offensive game that really wasn't there. And that's what kept him off the floor. Um, Last night, Damien Dunn had three fouls that kept him off the floor and then four fouls that kept him off the floor. So it's not like Ty wasn't going to play a lot of minutes, but his minutes for a lot of last night were inflated for a lot of the Vandy game were inflated because of Damian Dunn's foul trouble for a majority of the way he was playing more minutes. I think he did finish with more minutes. Yeah. He finished with more minutes, five more minutes than Damian Dunn. Um, 
And he said after the game, he's like, my shot, because I said to him, I asked him something along the lines of career high in points. You know, what did you see that you could exploit? What were you seeing in their defense? What was working for you? And he was like, honestly, my shot wasn't following. I was making a living at the free throw line. And he felt really confident about what he was doing at the free throw line. He knew he could get to the line. He knew he could attack that defense. So I think more than anything, it's confidence, it's free throws, it's his ability to contribute defensively. Um, and without Caliph, he's going to be a huge part of their offense because percentage wise, he was their best score. He was their second best scorer behind Caliph. Him as a spark plug off the bench uh, is huge for Temple offensively. I'm curious if there's ever a point where they get to where they say, maybe we want Quincy off the bench and start tie. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. Don't I think it's, I think it's been working for them to bring Ty off the bench and then have him see those minutes as Fran Dunphy says, as Aaron says, as you know, coaches say, it's not about who starts about who finishes. So I, I, I think it's really important that Temple has Ty back and, and he's going to take on a much bigger role, especially on the offensive end of the floor uh, as the weeks go by. We're just two games into it, uh, including, you know, Saturday's game, Saturday's win over Penn. And then of course, last night's road win at Vanderbilt, uh, you and Bella broke that news about about Quincy Adam McCoya being the guy who moved into the the starting lineup. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, you know, outside of the podcast. Uh, what did you think of the decision to start? And again, I don't know if it's going to be an ongoing thing, but what do you think of Aaron's decision to start Quincy Adam McCoya there with Caleb Battle off for the year? I don't think it's a bad decision. I think it makes sense for where they're at right now. I was definitely surprised that it wasn't Jaleel, but you know, we had talked about. Um, you know, over a text that it's not the worst idea just because they really, they like really need a three point shooter in that starting lineup. Jeremiah Williams and Damien Dunn are both guys that, okay, if they pull it fine, but they're both shooting beneath 30% from three, they don't really have a, a true three point shooter, you know, a lights out shooter. When Seattle McQuarrie was supposed to be that guy, he hits his first two in the pen game. And it's like, all right, this was a this Aaron seems like a genius right now, giving this kid a shot. And then he misses the next seven um, similar thing against Vandy where he goes one for five. So if those numbers don't improve, he's going to shoot his way out of the starting lineup. Um, but he's got the, they really like his length defensively. I think he works well in that offense where he can be a spot up shooter. He's not, I think it was the, I don't, I don't want to speak too much to his performance against the Vandy in the Vandy game, but in the Penn game, every time he drove the ball into the lane, he turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. It was like four or five times. He turned the ball over every time he went to the lane. Um, so he's a shooter. He's a guy that can catch and shoot. He's a guy that can give you one dribble sidestep. Like he's got great, great, great looks, great form. The shot just wasn't falling. Um, so I think that he either shoots his way into staying in the starting lineup or he shoots his way out of it because he's not doing enough elsewhere on the floor to make enough an impact that it'll make up for the missed shots. So we'll talk a little bit more about Quincy Adam McCoy in the mailbag. There's a mailbag question there. We have plenty to get to uh, from the message board and then some on Twitter as well. And that's where we'll start to get into again, of course, Temple's uh, football coaching search last Monday. So we are what, eight, nine days removed from Temple making the decision to fire Rod Carey after three seasons in which he went 12 and 20 uh, between our last podcast. And now uh, we've done a lot of just, you know, profiling some candidates who we either know have interest in the job or might have interest in the job. But again, as we are sitting here 
on Wednesday, December 8th at 4.40 p.m. as we record this. Temple has not hired anybody, but let's dive into these mailbag questions, several of which are about the coaching search. First, uh, these first several questions are going to be from the message board from alscoop.com subscribers. First one from the screen name JHG722. The question is, poll the room. Who would you hire? Dante, I'll start with you, then I'll go to you, Sam. I'm between two guys, uh, but since I'm not a coward, I'm, I'm going to go with Stan Drayton. Um, I or Stan Drayton. Since yeah. I'm not a coward. Yeah. Not a coward. So not so, a coward. so confrontational. Yeah. Not right off the bat. Yeah, no, well, I, I was I was torn between two guys, and I was sitting on that for a while. It was either him or Elijah Robinson. I, I'd be really happy with either of those two guys. Um, I wrote the profile on Drayton. I just think his resume is super impressive, and it seems like he's been on the the fringe of getting a shot. I, you know, I, I read some things that like NFL teams have been trying to get him to go to the NFL and be a coordinator and different things like that. So um, he's clearly very well regarded. I think the only problem that you have with him, right. Is it, you know, it seems like the players and a lot of people want a temple guy, right. A former temple guy. And that is not Stan Drayton. You know, he's not a former temple guy. His, Coaching experience in Philadelphia is limited to um, the late 90s and the early 2000s at Villanova and Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, over 20 years ago, right? So I think the big problem with him is how connected are you to this area? Probably not a ton, uh, but, you know, who knows? But I, I think overall, 27 years of coaching experience, I kind of view him as like a, a CEO type head coach a guy who comes in, establishes a good culture, manages a good program, um, kind of sets this place back where, uh, you know, it's on kind of that, the, those winning tracks that we talk about a lot uh, in football. And I, and I think that, you know, I'd love to see who he would want to bring in as, as his coordinators uh, as well. Cause I think that would be a big part of it. Cause again, I kind of view him as that, like John Harbaugh, I know, you know, Javon is probably kicking his chair right now. Me talking about John Harbaugh. So, so upset with, with John Harbaugh. Yeah, he's so obsessed with John Harbaugh. But I, I kind of think that Stan – yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think that Stan Drayton would be that type of coach, <laughs> that CEO head coach where he could come in, establish a good program. He's an incredibly talented recruiter. His recruiting background goes all the way back to the Pouncey brothers and Cam Newton at the University of Florida when they're really good. Obviously, much easier to recruit for the University of Florida than it is for Temple, but I think the guy's got the stones for it. I think he would be smart enough to surround himself with Temple people on his staff as well, and, and maybe that kind of helps mitigate the fact that he doesn't have that background. But that him and Elijah Robinson would be my top two. I'll lean with with uh, Drayton just because I, I really like his recruiting profile and kind of how diverse it is, right? He's not just the guy who's recruited – one position successfully he's recruited a ton of positions successfully sam contrary to popular belief i am also not a coward yes um i also had two i am also going with one uh, i'm gonna go with elijah robinson uh stan drayton was also my other one but in how in going over the whole like in talking to people about kind of like what kind of needs to happen it seems there's a consensus that a lot of people are rooting for, I, I for lack of a better word, like think that think that this, the, the key to success for Temple football down the line with whatever this next new hire is, whoever this next new hire is, is someone that understands Temple. Um, Arthur has said it, players have said it, people on the inside have said it, that uh, former players have said it, whatever, that 
there needs to be like a, they, they need to kind of reestablish that culture. Um, Amir Tyler's, I think I've said this on the pod before, but Amir Tyler said after the Navy game that, you know, he thought that that was a little bit lost uh, with a lot of the new guys, a lot of the, you know, incoming transfers, outgoing transfers, a lot of young guys, like they need someone that's going to come in and kind of reestablish, you know, this temple tough culture mentality. And a lot of people are, a lot of people want that rule guy as Dante had mentioned. Elijah Robinson is the rule guy, a guy that knows the program, a guy that's been around the block, a guy that is a very good recruiter. Um, you know, just flipped the number one, you know, D lineman in the country to Texas A&M. So I think that he would be a great pick. How good he would be as a head coach, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that uh, as of right now, but I think he checks off all the boxes of what it looks like to to bring in a hire that could uh, that could kind of take that could kind of turn turn things around for Temple football. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Sam. I would give Elijah Robinson the the slight edge over Stan Drayton. Uh, you know, a lot of people will, fans mostly will point out that neither guy has been a coordinator before. I don't really know how much that matters at the end of the day. I think if you are a good CEO type, as we've said, if you establish a good culture, obviously the coordinators you hire would be you know critically important anyway. But uh, and again, I mean, Stan Drayton could be, I've never met Stan Drayton before. I'm trying to learn more about him from people who have been around him. Uh, you know, all, all I know of Stan Drayton is what I've read about him. And Dante gave you a pretty good snapshot there. I, I suppose if he does get the job, you know, media outlets around here will probably rush to interview Brian Westbrook and ask him about Stan Drayton. He uh, was the, the coach who recruited Brian Westbrook to Villanova. Actually, I believe, and I, I should know this as someone who's lived in this area uh, and being around the Eagles, I, I want to say, I think that that Westbrook got hurt in high school, right? And was probably bound for a bigger program and it's coming off a knee injury. And that's kind of why Nova was able to get him. But nonetheless, again, he's been around some, some great backs, but I, I do think, you know, there are some fans who think this is way too parochial of a mindset to have. I would disagree you need somebody in here who really either a understands how to win at temple and really understands how much that they need to invest themselves. Or if you haven't worked at temple before, you better embrace that because if you don't, you end up doing what Rod Carey did and what was, you know, ended up being in years two and years three, year two and year three, a total unmitigated disaster, especially this year, you know, there's just more and more stuff. The more I talk to people, Oh, this guy had this to say about him. That guy had that to say. It's just, you know, just didn't just didn't work at the end of the day. And uh, I'll give the slight edge to Elijah here. Uh, I would be surprised if it's not either one of those guys. But again, I, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, we say a lot of times in covering a coaching search, oh, there could be a name that comes out of nowhere in the last minute. I don't know that I see that happening this time around, but if if it is a name that we're not expecting. I still think that that person will either a have a tie to temple in some way, shape or form, or that person will have a tie to Arthur Johnson in some way, shape or form. Uh, next question here goes, uh, or comes from diamond and broad on our message board, three-part question. Uh, question number one, who was on the hiring slash search committee? Uh, for example, which board members and what search firm? Uh, don't know the search form. Don't know which board of trustee members are on, on the hiring committee. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, I don't want to try to throw crap at the wall here and see if it sticks. Uh, I know that someone like Jovan Fair, who uh, a former Temple football player who's now back 
uh, on the academic side of things working in the Resnick Center. Uh, I was told that he's on the committee. I get the sense that 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 Arthur Johnson and Jason Wingard are going to have uh, a lot of autonomy here to pick the next head coach in the past, as Diamond and Broad is alluding to here. Um, yes, Arthur Johnson did say that they will be hiring a search firm. I'm of the understanding that that happened last week. Um, how involved the search firm is going to be, I don't know if they're just going to, you know, kind of collect the candidates before they do interviews. I think, again, the emphasis on think that it could be paired, pared down a little bit more this time around. Uh, couldn't tell you for sure which board members will be involved. Bill Mills, one of the trustees, is the chair of the athletics committee. I'm guessing that he will be involved, but again, I don't know for certain. Uh, so I, I don't know. Couldn't really get into a ton of specifics there unless I, you know, saw a confirmed list myself, which I haven't. Good question. Just wouldn't know entirely uh, at this point exactly uh, who's on the committee. Um, question number two, any sense on whether Arthur Johnson has talked to Rule or other former players who were successful here? I do know for a fact that Arthur Johnson and Matt Rule talked last week. Um, has he talked to former players who were successful at Temple? Don't know for sure, but what I, I continue to be told uh, is that Arthur Johnson is very methodical, very fair, uh, takes good notes, is a good listener, and I think he really you know, it might sound like a no kidding type of statement, you know, what, what athletic director wouldn't want to get this right, especially as his first major hire. But I think he very, very much uh, has been very methodical uh, about getting this right. Guys, any, you know, anything that, that you have heard that you wanted to contribute on these first two questions before we jump to, to number three here? I don't think I have anything abundantly crazy to add, but I would just echo what you said that in terms of timeline wise in terms of just things i've heard about who where when how whatever that arthur is taught who arthur is talking to i mean not that i have have anything crazy to share but that it seems that arthur really again stating the obvious that he is very much being methodical with this to make sure that he gets this one right and you are being methodical in your approach to trying to look like kenny from south park with this yes. hoodie that you're sporting yes, I, I, I would have as i pull the strings yes we're recording on zoom and Sam has a hoodie on and he must be, there must be a chill in your apartment. Yeah, my house is a little cold right now. It's cold in the room I'm sitting in. I don't know why yeah. the, the, where regular... are you right now, Dante? Where are you? Where are I your am exact in uh, student room center room 243. Student, student room center. Yeah. What? Student center room, student center room. There you uh, go. Yeah. 243 i'm in the business office i'm like hidden by a, a computer nobody can see me in here it's very it's very covert everybody's also very cold yeah come and get me come and get you if nobody wants to just <laughs> don't be so confrontational come, come and get you everybody comes in peace here dante um the third that question not, has not been my experience on the message boards john i don't <laughs> message boards can get a little a little tasty at times yes message board culture for you that the third and final question here from diamond and broad when do you think things get uh when do you think this gets wrapped up and who ultimately is the coach i think we kind of already answered that part of it when do you think this ultimately gets wrapped up i i, I honestly don't know I, i'm never totally surprised when i think i have the timeline on this and then it it wraps up a couple days earlier so again we're recording this on wednesday afternoon so nothing doing today um, I, I will say that I think, I think enough people have told me that, uh, I believe that, um, 
that Jason Wingard, Temple's president, Arthur Johnson, Temple's athletic director, were out at the National Football Foundation and College Hall of Fame uh, annual awards dinner out in, in Las Vegas um, for the College Hall of Fame, uh, College Football Hall of Fame ceremony. And I, I think they're basically kind of, people are kind of basically treating that as like a, um, a mini convention out there, so to speak. I, I don't know if they were out there interviewing candidates. I, I don't know for sure. I can tell you of, of certain candidates who I know, you know, are interested, but haven't interviewed. Um, so could it be that they could be getting back today and having a decision made by Friday? Could be, but I don't know. I mean, they've been pretty tight lipped. And again, if, if this is your first time listening to the scoop or your first time really being locked in on a coaching search, it's not very common for athletic directors to release uh, at all the names of, of people that they're interviewing. So it's not uncommon for a, a coaching search to be tight lipped, but, um, this one, uh, certainly has been. So do I think it's likely that this will get wrapped up by the end of the week? Uh, I'm not so sure. Um, ultimately is the coach again, I, I would, I keep landing on either. I think we all kind of keep landing on Elijah Robinson or Stan Drayton, but we shall see uh, guys. Have you changed your mind since the last time we answered this question five minutes ago? If so, not going to, not going to, not going to, uh, you know, criticize you for being flaky. Sam, you've changed like your mind. Put, I'd like to put Kyle Gauss's name in this, uh, on the board. Just we'll get to him later it. when we'll get to him better, uh, later with, uh, Sam Newman's question about building out the Al scoop staff, oh, the sure, football sure. staff with Al scoop, uh, staff members. <laughs> the next question here, uh, also from the message board is from the screen name park Al. uh, this is basketball related. Uh, the, Park out question is this team could have folded after the Charleston, uh, Charleston classic blowouts. Instead, they came out firing. They could have folded when Caleb battle went down and stay, they, instead they came out and exercised many of their frequent demons, post presence, free throw shooting, giving up late leads and then losing. It certainly looks in italics, like a different temple team that we've seen in a while being closer to them. Does this feel in italics, like a different temple team in terms of uh, the locker room and the huddle, et cetera. Sam, I'll go to you first on this. What do you think? Well, the first thing I'll say is electric following along with Caleb battle live tweeting um, this <laughs> yes. temple Vanderbilt game. That was, that was probably my favorite part of the game. <laughs> Does it feel like a different temple team? I think that's a really good question. I don't think it feels like a different temple team from pre Caleb battle getting hurt and post Caleb battle getting hurt. I think it is admirable the way the energy has kind of remained and the upbeat attitude has kind of stayed since he went down because that's a real blow that's the kind of thing that like even caleb battle said he sees fans say oh this is over this is done this is the end he sees it and he doesn't he doesn't love it he wants he wants people <laughs> to know that he he like he feels so confident in the guys in the locker room and he really really likes the team that they've built so you sound I, like caleb battles hype man <laughs> sorry you I don't look mean, like you have like you you you, you look like a boxing promoter right now i knew that was coming at some point because yeah. it's a gray hoodie um yeah. might go for a run after in, in a grout fit anyway i think <laughs> uh i think that the, the the confidence and the aura around the team has been really upbeat and confident all season and i think these guys coaching staff and players alike really like the group they have um and what they're capable of the potential obviously we've talked about they're still a pretty young team there's still have a lot of things to figure out and they're you know they're gonna have games like the first two of the Charleston classic, like that Clemson game, they're going to have games like that 
where they really just don't look very good at all. But the the confidence, the upbeat aura, I think, is definitely there. It feels like a different team. It feels very much like a different team from last year. Um, but I wouldn't be so quick to say it feels like that much different of a team from before and after Caleb Battle got hurt, which I think is the most admirable part of it all, because it'd be really easy to kind of shut down and sulk a little bit when you lose your top scorer and a guy that's been playing like one of the best guards in the country. Uh, the confidence is there. The, is the confidence is there, and I, I would imagine a lot of it is these guys are just playing for Caliph, and uh, everybody's just kind of stepping up into a bigger role. Dante, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, the biggest change that I've noticed is that this feels like a more mature team, right? Like one of the big things last year was not getting to play together a lot. You know, they're one of the more like inexperienced teams in the country, right? Aren't they? So like. Um, I think them winning a game like they did against Vanderbilt last night, I, I think just shows a, a growth and maturity. You know, you bounce back from, you know, Scotty Pippen Jr. nailing that three-pointer in the corner. They fell behind initially in overtime, right, too, if I remember correctly. Vandy yep. got out to like a 5-0 start in that overtime. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, yeah, I, I think it was a, a sign of maturity that without their best player and, in a you know, on a road against an okay opponent, they were able to kind of, stem the tide a couple of times and, and make a comeback and win that game. So I don't, you know, again, I didn't call it a statement win, but I totally agree with Sam. It was, it was a good win. And I think it definitely shows that um, it's a little bit of a different team this year. So I, I think that, you know, if you're a temple fan, I, you know, it's a good sign that this program is, is at least trending in the right direction, the direction that, you know, Aaron McKee definitely has been talking about it going in for the past couple of years. I think if, if I'm understanding Park Al's question here, I, I don't, know that they're asking us to compare pre-Caliph and, and post-Caliph here, but I, I think that, I think, yes, I, I think I agree with what he's saying. It does look like a different Temple team. Um, if he's saying that we've seen in a while, does it feel like a different Temple team? I, I think so. You know, I'll I'll get another look at them uh, Saturday at Hagen Arena, just up the, uh, up the road uh, in West Philly. Uh, I, I do think, I mean, I think the biggest difference is just, you know, yeah, they're, they're still very inexperienced, but the athleticism, you know, when Caleb battle does go down, obviously a huge, huge blow for them. I, I think if Caleb battles playing that game last night, they win comfortably by maybe 12, 14 points, you know, um, you could credit a lot of that to temple's defense, but I mean, I think Vandy was just missing shots around. I mean, both teams were missing shots around the rim and just, um, I mean, even Ty missed a couple of shots where his form was great. A couple had a couple of shots that just rimmed in and out. But when Caliph went down, you know, obviously an unfortunate thing, but I think you, there were a lot of different feasible options there. You could say, okay, well, what could Aaron be looking for here? Um, and again, we'll talk about him. There's a, there's a question there about Adam McCoy. I kind of like it. Okay. Let's see what this kid's got, you know, and and Sam, you alluded to this. I mean, he did not look strong with the ball at all uh, against Penn on Saturday, hit those two early threes and kind of faded after that, Um, you know, didn't play a huge role in in last night's win, but then you look around and you could say, well, I could see him starting Jaleel white. Jaleel's not a knockdown shooter by any means, but he can, he's showing a a little bit more of a, a comfort level in getting to the rim he is long. He has athletic. If, if Aaron said, let's throw Zach Hicks out there. He's a six, eight, six, nine freshman. Yes. He's very untested at this point, but he can, he can shoot the crap out of the ball. I mean, he's got to knock him down, but you could have, you know, seen that happening. Or you could say, well, maybe we put Nick Jordan out there. He can block shots. He can rebound. He can shoot the ball too. I think last year you might've been looking around thinking, okay, you know, and I don't want to knock these guys. They've moved along, but 
you know, Dre Perry, not a terrible athlete, but a little bit more limited athletically. JP Mormon, with all due respect to the, the 575 foot shot he hit a couple of weeks ago, uh, definitely limited athletically. I just think they have more options this year. And now it's going to be a real growth season. How much does Jaleel White come along? How much does Zach Hicks come along? He didn't play last night, but, you know, uh, Heisier Miller has seen extended minutes. I mean, they have, you know, a few different guys. They're playing the same position in Jeremiah Williams and, and Ty Strickland and and uh, and Heisier Miller to a certain extent. But the fact that they they could actually look at those options, and again, I'm not saying that any, any of them are Caleb Battle, but you could, you could look around the roster and say there's a reason – you, you don't think Aaron McKee is crazy for starting Zach Hicks. You don't think he's crazy for starting Jaleel White. You don't think he's crazy for, you know, maybe starting Ty Strickland or, you know, starting Quincy Adam McCoy. So I think that the biggest, um, I think the biggest difference is the athleticism, the depth. I know a lot of it's not experienced depth, but I just think he has more pieces this year. Um, Dante, I don't know if you said it or Sam, if you said it seems like a little bit, I think you said it, Dante, it seems like a little bit of a mature team. Like they just, again, they are still very young, but they just have the look and feel of a team that really cares about each other. Not that they didn't last year, but uh, they seem to have some pretty good team chemistry there. Um, so yes, it does feel, it does feel like a, a, like a different team. Again, a lot of basketball left ahead. So we'll see, um, we'll see what, what happens, what happens there. Well, I misunderstood the question. But that's okay, because John, you handled it. You answered it very well. I would Samus. say I think this team has had the most depth of any Temple team that I've covered. Um, it is a continuous eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten deep, and you know, not saying that eight, nine, and ten are uh, are you know shooting the lights out or contributing everything, but they're getting minutes and. F- before I'll say this, the first seven games of the season before Caleb went down, uh, the difference between them going eight deep and 10 deep was Jaleel White and Zach Hicks. And if those are your nine, eight, nine, 10 guys, I get that they're young and they're like Jaleel's really rounding out his offensive game. The kid has taken maybe one three pointer all season, but every game he seems to find one extra layer of getting to the rim and doing something a mm-hmm. little more acrobatic and something a little more interesting offensively, defensively, his game's there. Zach kicks is confident shooting the ball. He's his minutes have taken a little bit of a dip since he kind of flashed with a couple. I can't remember who they played at home before. The USC. Yeah. The USC game. Thank you. Um, You're but those are two guys. <laughs> those are two guys that are young and have a lot of potential and can really contribute to what temple wants to do. So I think if that like, Aaron always says that your strength, the, he believes their strength is in their, in their numbers. It's a long season and those guys have a lot of growing to do, but I, I don't, I feel comfortable saying this is probably the most depth temples had of any temple team that I've covered ever. Yes. Of ever all time. In the history of temple basketball, in the <laughs> history of any basketball team ever, ever, ever since the game was invented by James Naismith. So James Naismith had peach baskets and he had put together this one team. They just ran through everybody. Nine dudes, all of them played 20 plus minutes. All of them could shoot the lights out. This Temple team. No, I'm just kidding. None of that was true. Dante, here's where I could come in with old depression era radio <laughs> radio voice yeah, guy, we, but I think it would it'd be please, too queued up. Please do it. Please we do figured it. out we figured out the inspiration behind the voice. Part of though. part of the inspiration. Of Dante the inspiration. and I were talking about this a, yeah. a, a, a couple hours ago. Um oh, thanks we, for the invite. 
it was a spontaneous thing. Did you want me to say literally before I speak these words, let's get Sam in here. <laughs> it wasn't like a planned thing like Dante, is your calendar free at 3.30? I'm going to talk to you about this very insignificant detail of my life, but please let me send you a calendar invite. That's not how it came together, Sam. It's not that I don't love you, don't love you any less, but- I'm kidding, go ahead. It wasn't, it wasn't a party. What's, what's the inspiration? Have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? I have. Yeah. So, you know, the, um, when George Bailey, uh, you know, he, he, you know, the uncle Billy misplaces the eight grand or whatever that they have at uh, the building and loan company. And he's just going off the deep end. And so he meets up with Clarence and he's showing him what his life would be like, what, if he didn't exist and they go back to the bar Mm -hmm. and the bartender is there. And he's just like, you know, um, Bedford Falls is just like this. Like I said to Dante, it's like this new hellscape. Like, it's just, it's just not a very tame place. And the bar is mean. Do you remember the voice of that bartender? Not well enough, but I'm he assuming. Just, I feel like I, when I was watching it, I've, announcer. I, you know, my wife teased me when I met her. I'd never seen it as much of a Christmas nut as I am. I'd never seen it in its entirety. She was like, well, you're kind of a fraud until you sit down and watch this whole movie with me. So now I've seen it. I feel like several hundred times and John's wife calling him a fraud. I don't know that she actually <laughs> called me a fraud, but I well, hope she did. That would be funny. I, I wouldn't put it past her. Let's let's, you know, maybe, maybe she did. We'll, we'll, we'll have to go back and check the tape. But anyway, um, the, the bartender, when, when they're sitting there and they're ordering the drink and, and, and Clarence can't decide what he wants the, the voice of the bartender I was watching the other night. I was like, I think I derived some of my inspiration from the bartender. He's like, no, don't, what I, I can't remember the, the exact line, but he loses his patience with them. And he sounds like a, he sounds like a world war II era reporter. He's like, don't be a wise guy here. You need to better order that drink and uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Anyway, I feel like I've, I've been more on point with the, with the imitation maybe there'll be a window a little bit later in the mailbag here for me to, to bring that out all right here's the here's the real dark one here um <laughs> this is oh, man. this is quite a question quite a question it's got multi it's a multiple choice question Oof. all right the, the screen name here is b devon four uh i'm gonna try to get through this without laughing i'm already laughing here's the question this is a scenario based question uh, John Rothstein is on fire, literally, at midcourt of the Leocorus Center. The Alscoop staff has the only available means to save him from becoming hyperbolic ash. Jesus. Uh, collectively, do you, A, let him burn? I mean, heck, it's only December. People on fire buy stock now. B, calmly explain, anarchy? Nope, just a college basketball writer on fire. <laughs> C, see how it goes. At this point, he's emitting less steam than LaSalle's A-10 smoke machine. <laughs> Oh God. Let's stop uh, catching, catching strays. Oh, that, that, that little scoreboard thing that they have. What a God bless them. Um, that's not part of his question. D mercifully put him out, then go as far as to make sure he's okay. And has his bearings. Once he, once he lets his guard down, Kyle hits him with the stone cold stunner. John sprays AAC and dollar dollar signs on his back as Dante and Sam yell, look who's sleeping before May. God, the depth and breadth of this question and just the, God, this is dark. B. Devin four, I, I hate to, you know, I hate to rain on your parade here. I have, I, I you know, John Rothstein gets on my nerves. I think he is a, a, a little bit of a hack of a takesman on Twitter. I don't want the guy to die for, for crying out loud. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. So I would, uh, 
I would mercifully put him out. Um, then I would go as far as to make sure he's okay and has his bearings. Uh, and then from there, I would, I would recommend a much better place to go eat than, than, uh, he claims to know. I, I feel like he's the guy who would go to Times Square in New York and, uh, eat at the Olive Garden or something like that. So I would, I would stop short of spraying American Athletic Conference dollar signs on his back. Uh, John, if, I'm assuming that means AAC money. Yeah. Yeah, the dollar signs. I'm just conveying that the actual, you know, the 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 text here. Yes, AAC money on his on his back. Um, I mean, if Kyle wants to throw a wrestling move at him, <laughs> so be it. Uh, are Dante I and I still going to make a snarky remark? Yeah, I mean, well, what what are you? How do you guys handle? How do you guys? Yeah, how do you guys handle yourselves here? Well, I think the the anarchy pun is incredibly good. So I, I want to say that whether we decide ultimately to put him out or not, I, I would love to hear the debate between John and Kyle on that. I think that would be a, an all-time Al Scoop debate. Um, but th- that's a great pun, and I'm a sucker for, for bad puns. So I, I want to say that regardless of if we put him out or not. Sam, what would you do? Um, I would echo that we don't want John Rothstein to die. In no, a fire. of course not. But calmly explain anarchy. Nope, just a college basketball writer on fire. I like that answer. I also Great, like. Right? I also like the idea of Kyle hitting anybody with a stone cold stunner. <laughs> what if Kyle tried to hit him with a stone cold stunner and like pulled his lower back in the process and never got to finish like executing the move? Could you that see that stink. happening? Yeah, <laughs> stink. But it would be so very funny. B. Devin four went to a dark place with that question, trying to inject some comedy in the pod. Over, over, under. How long it take to put that question together? Because that's like a really those answers are really well. I know. I don't. I do not know B. Devin four, and even if I did, we cannot reveal the identities of of uh, people on the message board. I'm gonna say over under. I'm gonna set the over under on this at 25 minutes. As dark as it is, I'm impressed by the the detail and the. The execution of this multiple choice question. Do you take the do you take the over or the under on this? Twenty five minutes. You know why? Taking the under. You know why I'm gonna? Yeah, I'm gonna take the under because I think he's he's thought of this and it just mm-hmm. kind of like came to him. Yeah. Or yeah. whoever it is came to them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Initially, I thought maybe maybe B Devon for Caesar Carful mailbag mailbag questions cracks his knuckles sits wherever he is and just says he has a yes. mechanical pencil and is like yeah mechanical pencil there's a there's a montage of like uh just like you know like upbeat movie music playing the over you know? the over 25 minutes is like he sat down and it's that scene from spongebob where he's taking the the boating exam and he writes the yeah. that's all he gets done canceled a couple meetings you know i don't know what b devon four does for a career but uh yeah so we got one more from the, from the message board and then a few more on Twitter that we'll hop over to. Um, another basketball-related question here, this from dblaze75 is the screen name. The team seems to be making the extra pass and sharing the ball more since Battle went down. Do you think with Battle in the lineup, they would be complacent at times knowing he was their best scorer? By the way, I'm not saying that uh, by any means that they are better with Battle out of the lineup, just an observation and a small sample size. Uh, good question, Sam. Dante, what do you think? I, uh, I'm glad this came up because it's something I've wanted to talk about um, because <laughs> the Penn game, uh, Temple's first game without Caleb Battle, 
after the game, Steve Donahue, Penn's head coach, said that he thought, well, let me preface this by saying um, Zach Demuse, sports director extraordinaire at WHIP, asked, posed the question to Steve Donahue, did he feel like, how, how did he feel like Temple's offense was different, better in any way without Caliph? Or, you know, how does he feel like they did without Caliph? And Steve Donahue put pretty simply that, like, in no way offending Caleb Battle because he's a very good player, that he thought the Temple's offense with as fluid as it has been all season. A lot more passing, a lot more like sharing the rock to get open looks. Um, and again, like that's not because they're better without Caleb, but it's he, in Steve Donahue's words, it's because when you have a scorer like that, someone that can just get a bucket, like guys start to tend to not get stagnant to rely on that one person, but like if he has the ball and you kind of know what he's about to do, it's a little bit more ISO. He can get a shot for himself. Uh, similar question was posed to Aaron McKee just minutes later uh, in response to kind of like what Steve Donahue said. And Aaron said something along the lines of like, people watch college basketball and think that it's, you know, Aaron's brainchild offense that they're constantly running. He's like, when you're in the NBA or when you're playing at a high level, a high, co- high level college basketball, like, at that level, you get the ball to your best players and, you know, they go to work. It, it, there is an offense. There is things set in place for when you need them. But a lot of the times when you have a guy like that, like you can really rely on him. And that's always a good thing to be able to rely on him. Um, but to the point of the question about how the offense is kind of different, I mean, battle might be complacent at times. I wouldn't say complacent, but I think they, they kind of understand that Caleb can do that. Uh, and that's very much a part of their identity in the offense is like, was having Caliph be able to just get a basket and like be able to create for himself and get those opportunities. They would run, you know, they'd run baseline out of bounds plays for him. They'd run silent out of bounds plays for him. They'd come up the floor and run a quick hitter for him because he's shooting close to 60% from the field and like 50% from three. Uh, with that being said, without him in the lineup, I think the identity of their offense changes a little bit because they have lost production to make up for. So then you have someone like Jeremiah Williams, who's as close to like as close to flirting with the triple double as you can get. He had 11 points, I think seven assists and five or six rebounds. Um, so the closest he, he could get would be bumping those categories up to nine. Yes. So I'm saying he's a tier <laughs> below flirting with the triple double. Also, um, I just want people to know how, how, passionate you are about making this point because you have since removed your hood the hood is down <laughs> you can see the trace of under armor apparel underneath the underneath the hoodie so please chelmsford track and field t-shirt there you go anyway go ahead. i'm sorry go ahead. point uh yeah. so jeremiah becomes more of that like jeremiah's job as a facilitator becomes more important to be able to find guys like damien dunn to create, uh, you know, to create in that offense, to be able to, as Aaron always says, get play inside out, to find tie on the wing, have those guys driving kick for shots. Like the offense becomes a lot more fluid because they're able, they're, the shot selection becomes a little bit different, if that makes sense. Like they're, they're running a little bit more of a free flowing offense instead of quick hitters knowing that Caleb is more than 50% likely going to hit the shot. Uh, I think that's the biggest way it changes. And I don't think it's a knock on Caleb in the slightest. I would say it's, it's more of a compliment to the rest of the team for the way they've responded after having relied on him for, for seven games. You know what I mean? No, I'm saying player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dante is on mute and he's, he's 
laughing. He has a like a, a De Niro look on his face, the way he's laughing. Like the father's got a nice soft smile right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dante, do you have anything to add to that? I don't have anything to add to that. No. Yeah, it was, no, uh, it was, uh, it was good. Lot of, it was very good. Of, very, very good diatribe. A lot of, lot of basketball talk there out of, out of our, out of our hoop head. Sam Cohen, uh, good stuff. All right, so let's go to Twitter here. Uh, quite a few questions on Twitter. Uh, just want to make sure I don't miss any here. Um, the next one here, this is uh, a football-related question when it comes to recruiting. Uh, from off the hook three temple tough uh from twitter how many players does it appear temple will sign next week for an early signing period great question they've got six committed right now i mean i i'd be hard pressed to answer anything other than six unless um let's say for argument's sake you know um it's elijah robinson or it's stan drayton and they get in this weekend uh, again, they can start the, the early signing period starts uh, a week from today. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. We'll have this out for you guys soon. Um, so there's a week, you know, maybe if you get the head coach in and, you know, if uh, Elijah Robinson swoops in and maybe says, hey, I think we can get this kid out of Jersey or there's a, a fringe kid, you know, down in Texas. I like, you know, I asked him if he wants to, hey, you know, I got a spot for you now. If you want to come with me to Philly. I could see maybe eight tops with them still having to recruit uh, into into January and early February for the uh, the late period. But again, just to review here, they have six guys verbally committed: uh, Corey Yeoman at linebacker, Jackson Pruitt uh, on the offensive line, who says he is still uh, he's informed us, and I think a couple other media outlets that he is uh, still planning on signing with Temple. Uh, Khalif Kemp from Philly, Makai Green at West Orange High School, Sam Martin uh, up in uh, Staten Island, and Reese Clark from St. Joe's Prep, who was the first player from the 2022 class to commit. So they have six guys committed right now. I could see, again, maybe, I don't know, maybe seven or eight at the most. I mean, do you guys have any any thoughts on this? I, I would be hard pressed to see them increase that number my, by more than one or two. Like you said, John, yeah. I mean, they're, they're really up against the clock. Um, and it's not like this was a robust class before, right. you know, like this was going to be a, you know, if, if Rod was still here, right. We'd probably be sitting here talking about like, you know, what the heck are they doing? Why do they only have six players, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'd be hard pressed to think that, this class is going to be filled with a lot of high schoolers. What I will say is depending on who the head coaches be right. You look to the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, can you get guys in that way to kind of, you know, beef up this air quotes class uh, at, at that point? I, I think that would be to look at maybe two or three guys out of the transfer portal right away. Um, I'm assuming that number will actually probably increase closer to five. I would think given who they've lost and, and who they're going to have to replace depending on who the coach is. So um, that's where I think the guys are going to come from as far as high school players maybe one, maybe two, if, if somebody's on the fence and they like the head coach um, that does get hired, if they, you know, have a previous relationship or something like that happens. But I mean, this is going to be a small class, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, next question here. Uh, uh, again, the rest of these are from Twitter, uh, similar to one that we answered before. Uh, the Twitter handle here is Temple Fan Al. Uh, what are the odds new coaches named on or before Friday? Uh, 
you guys odd setters oddsmen i would say on or before fridays like plus 250 oh i don't think it's that i think it's less and less likely that it's by friday i'll say that I'm Dante say Parks Casino, Dante Hollywood. Dante. There's some there's some money to be won here, Dante. Let's what do you yeah, got? Is there some money to be won here? I don't know. I was gonna say about like plus three hundred, like three fifty. Like I don't know. I I feel like it's gonna be Monday if I had to guess. Yeah, I could That's see a Monday. Guess. I could see a Monday. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in Kyle's conspiracy camp that the that the offices have to be open for Temple to process something <laughs> like this. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say Monday is my guess. Could be. Uh, next question here from Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is owls72. Glenn Phillips. Uh, his question is How important is it not having a head coach in place by signing day? What do you guys think? I may have an answer on this, but what do you guys think? I mean, I think it would be significantly better if they had a head coach before mm-hmm. signing day, right? Like, I don't think that's like anything groundbreaking that I'm saying. Like, yeah, obviously you want the head coach of the football team to be in place before you sign a bunch of high school recruits, right? Like, you know, and you want to give that guy an opportunity to, I, I think the underrated part of this is that like, what if the head coach come in, comes in and he doesn't want these guys, right? And then you kind of have to have those tough conversations that we've talked about. It's like, hey, we'll honor your scholarship, but you know, maybe you're not going to play here any time ever, you know, like stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Like, yeah, I would want that coach to have that opportunity to, evaluate the guys that have have already committed and and really give those kids the best information that they possibly can, you know, and those things change. So it's not only is it important from a, Hey, you know, we want to get more recruits in and we want to have, you know, a longer period of time to recruit so we can get better players. It's also like maybe the head coach comes in and he decides, you know, I'm just throwing out a name because it's the guy that I interviewed. Like, uh, you know, Sam Martin isn't really my type of back, you know, like stuff like that happens. Uh, You know, we're seeing it happen across the country right now, the way the coaching carousel is. A ton of dudes met with Billy Napier in Florida, who just got hired from Louisiana Lafayette, and they decommitted after meeting with Billy Napier, right? Because he was probably like, not not my guy. Uh, and, and that stuff happens a lot. So I think having a coach in place before the early signing period and giving them an opportunity to to watch these kids and decide if, if they're going to fit into their scheme, their program, uh, and, and the way that they view it is just as important as being able to recruit for longer. So I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um. Next question here, and I, I don't know what the heck happened to my computer. Okay, there we go. Um, well, you know what? I, I Let me, Sam, did you have anything else you were going to add to this before I hop in on this one real quick? No, you're good. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I could see, you know, if there is a scenario in which, and again, this is just me kind of just speculating here, Um if there is a scenario where they don't have the new head coach in place by the 15th, I think you just see Thad Ward running the process here. I think at this point of these six guys, you know, if they, if all six remain committed, you're going to hear them saying, Hey, I committed to temple just as much because of the school as, as you know, the head coach or anything like that. I don't think like if, if they don't have a coach in place by the 15th, I don't think that people should look at this and be like, Oh my God, this is such this is such a holy crap scenario. I can't believe they don't have they don't have a head coach in place. I mean, look, I mean, a bunch of guys committed to Manny Diaz, and then he he bolted a few days later. Um, so I don't think he would be completely, completely out of the ordinary if 
you know, we're covering that December 15th signing day and it's that ward kind of just running point on this. Um, I do think, again, any coach will come in and watch film of these guys. I think most guys would say, you know, hypothetically, hey, you know, you committed to Temple. I want to honor that commitment, but I'll have a realistic conversation about where I see the arc of your career. Um, I've talked to a, a, a few people whose opinions I respect, and these are people um, outside of, you know, these are the, uh, a couple of people I talked to here. Um, they are not on Temple staff uh, currently, but, you know, I talked to a couple of people and uh, at least a couple of them had uh, some pretty high opinions on at least two people, Corey Yeoman, uh, the outside linebacker from Clearwater Academy, his brother, uh, Anthony Sorrell plays, um, uh, at USC and played at Holy spirit, um, in, uh, you know, out in, in Jersey, close to Atlantic city. Um, and, you know, I've heard good things about him and, you know, heard good things from, you know, a couple of people about Makai Green and their thoughts on Makai Green. And, um, you know, I talked to him when he, uh, right before he committed to Temple. He's a smart kid, a really good student, very fast, asked about why he didn't have more offers. And I think some people point to point to his height, but he's fast, he's quick. So, um, so we'll see. But a, another great question, certainly one that I'm sure fans are worrying about or wondering about, uh, but you know, could I very much see a scenario where the new head coach is in place by the 15th? Sure. But um, is it important? Of course, as Dante suggests, it's important, but I don't think if it, if it doesn't happen that way, I think there is a way they can roll with it. Um, next question here comes from our friend, Sean McGee, who does the I'll be back podcast. So he's, he's chimed in on Twitter here saying, based on your basketball skill set, who is your current temple basketball player comparison? I asked Sam this a few weeks ago, back on my show. Dante, we'll start with you, Sam. Then we'll go to you next, and then I will will finish out with me. Autumn, you guys, if you, you have a, if you have, we'll, we'll get to you. And <laughs> autumn, no, that's fine. Start with Dante. Just an audible sigh. Audible <sighs> sigh. Then we'll get to Sam. <sighs> oh, there was no audible sigh there. Or was there? You have to also consider that I check said, like I check check the tape. I have eaten it's no okay, less than yeah. 17, 17 high chews this afternoon, and I am very much going between like. <laughs> peaks and valleys of of just sugar rushes i've yawned several times it's not because you guys are boring me it's because my energy level is going up and down i'm not a doctor but i'm pretty sure that's what's happening so sam it's not about you it's there was no oh, audible side there that's okay I'm gonna go back and check the tape you are the one that the edits and produces this podcast you can go back and, and check <laughs> the tape so who's to say that you can't but dante, uh, go yeah go ahead dante and also let's let's not i mean even though he's not here let's take this opportunity to, to assess basketball ability or speculate about it and come up with a comparison. All right. I don't know about Kyle. Um, I was going to comp myself to Ty Strickland. I think I'm much more of a mid range shooting guard. Um, I was like a very streaky three point shooter in high school. I would have like stretches where I was like very, very good. And then I would have stretches where like, I, I don't think I could hit the side of a backboard from three point range. Um, so I, I think like Ty Strickland, like I was a, you know, kind of a little small, uh, decent ball handler, good mid range shot. That was kind of my game in high school. I shot a ton of free throws. I lived at the free throw line. So, um, I, I think that's probably the easiest comparison for me. Dame, I was going to go with either him or Dame, but Dame's like, Dame's too long. He's too athletic. I was not, I was not that athlete that Damian Dunn is. So I'll go with Ty. Dante, how tall are you? Five ten. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not Damien Dunn. <laughs> no. 
Unfortunately, no. No. Have you ever seen Dante and Damien Dunn in the same room at the same time, though? I have, yes. <laughs> have several you? several have times. You, John, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure, I have. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Sam. I don't know if I have a great answer for this. Um, I guess Jeremiah, just because I am, I mean, I can, I can shoot the ball, but like, I know if I'm, if the ball, if the shot's not falling, then I'll just facilitate and like, just play the point and just find dudes, just like drive and kick and find dudes and have, and so I am a much worse Jeremiah Williams. I'll go with, I think I got, I think I got long enough arms. I got long arms. Yeah, nice I got like a think six, honestly, like six, six, one wingspan. You know, it's like sitting here and stretching your arms out like a five-year-old kid who just got off a roller coaster. That's you illustrating your wingspan. <laughs> yes. And I can't fit it. I can't fit it in the zoom. Hold on. Let me, let me back up a little bit for you. Here we go. <laughs> pretty good. Like, pretty good wingspan. Not too shabby. Pretty I have good. a picture of me at the basketball hall of fame when I was like 12 next to Kevin Durant's wingspan. One and the same. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's probably the best answer I give is a much worse Jeremiah Williams. John, what about you? Uh, so I'm going to think back to my, cause I did not play high school basketball. I played in the Lionville youth association, anybody in uh, Chester County, particularly downtown LAA basketball. It's where legends were made. Not quite. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, I, I, can I shoot? You ask, can I shoot? I can shoot a basketball. I'm a good shooter. I have probably like division seven athleticism. NAIA athleticism, can't dunk, lateral quickness, questionable. I'm uh, about 5'11". So I'm not even as tall as my comparison, but Colin Daly can shoot. He's from Havertown. I live in Havertown. Boom. There we love go. It. There's the comparison. Love it. love it. They know more. Just a couple of Havertown guys lighting up from downtown. That's my comparison. Kyle a, with Kyle, Kyle who's one of the who's one of the oh yeah who's your Kyle comparison Dame Dunn for one reason absolutely not Dame Dunn is the only Dame Dunn is the most prominent shit talker on the team that's got to be Kyle right? no I think he's I, a much he's a much shorter Arashma Parks or he's a Ryan Sayers <laughs> <laughs> he's Ryan Sayers or he's Arashma Parks him and Ryan Sayers kind of have the same haircut they do they yes, do. they do. I mean, that looks People. like a Ryan Sayers <laughs> looks like he could maybe be Kyle's son. <laughs> Low key, yeah. Low key. Um, I don't want to let Kyle get away with like oh, I'm Zach Kicks or yeah, he, Kyle's <laughs> not even here to defend himself. But I still I like my answer of a much shorter Arashma Parks. I think it's a fine answer. The, just to be clear, my only comparison between Dame and Kyle is if we were to play a basketball game, I think Kyle would be the shit talker. Well, he absolutely would. He would say un, he would say unspeakable things <laughs> to the point where you would have to call a timeout and you'd be like, what did you say? Have I ever hurt you that badly to the point where you needed to say something that, that scorched my soul uh, in that way? Um, that's is Sean Mohan's question. I have the same question. Okay, he was yeah, Sean Mohan. Uh, Twitter handle at Sean Money Mohan. Uh, had the same question as Temple Fan Al, where the odds new uh, head coach's name on it before Friday. I know we got a couple more here. Um, from uh, next Twitter handle here is at Matt Debs. 
Any idea why it took Quincy Adam McCoy? This is the question we were uh, alluding to in the mailbag. Any idea why it took Quincy Adam McCoy this long to crack the rotation? He struggled in limited time last year and hasn't been great this year, but still surprised to see him just now start to crack the rotation, especially on a team that looks uh, to lack perimeter shooting. Um, Sam, I think you kind of, you know, you, you talked about it earlier. I, I, I personally like the decision to throw him in there. Let's, let's, let's throw him in there, see what he can do. Um, I think there are several coaches in America who might start a kid to say, okay, we're going to put you out there and start you see if you can knock down a couple shots. If you don't, you know, the under 16 timeout, we're getting you off the floor. We're putting someone else in there. Why not see what he can do as you're thinking about managing your roster in the future? I mean, he can shoot it, but you know, I think the, what we talked about before and what Sam had mentioned before, and particularly in the pen game, when he tried to drive to the, to the rim, every time he did, there was some sort of degree of difficulty there. He either turned it over or had to pass out of it. And I think that's why he hasn't cracked the rotation. I think they want to see him do more, defend more, rebound more. Um, didn't want to steal your thunder there, Sam. But, I mean, is that kind of where you would fall along the lines of, of that, you know, that answer answering that question? I would agree. Yeah, I'd agree with everything you said. The only thing I'd add is in the question, it says he struggled in limited time last year and, has, and, and then in parentheticals hasn't been great this year. Last year, a lot of the reason he didn't play was, and Aaron had said this, like he it took him, and this is a pretty common thing in college basketball, it took him a little bit longer to kind of come around to the speed of the game and sure. the physicality of the game. And I, I was saying to someone before the uh, before the Penn game that when Quincy was starting, um, that I kept thinking back to that one play, and I, for the life of me, can't remember who it was, but who was against, it was at the Lee Course Center, where Quincy puts a three off the side of the backboard. Temple gets a rebound and they swing it back to him and he pulls it again. So like he's a born shooter, his shooting his confidence is through the roof and he knows who he is. Um, again, shot two for nine, I think uh, in the pen game. And then one for five, I think it was in the, in the Vanderbilt game. So like he hasn't been able to necessarily prove that and like be able to stay on the floor because of that. But this is the second time he's played what he played. 18 plus minutes, um, whatever it was. So I think it definitely takes time for him to get really acclimated. But as you said, I, I like the the decision to give this kid a shot because he's probably the most, ex- he is the most experienced um, other guard they have when they, you know, when Ty was out and with Caleb out, like he's got more college basketball experience than Jaleel. He's got more college basketball experience than Zach. He's proven to be a shooter. They really like his length on defense, as you said, all this. So uh, I would I would second all that that that's that's probably why it took him a little bit longer to crack, crack the rotation and now it's there's an opening let's give this kid a shot. I also kind of feel like this is really his freshman season. I mean to say that he struggled last year, sure. So did the team. They went five and eleven. It was stop start stop start. Nobody had a summer, so I would also take that into consideration. Um, you talked about that whole. You, were you saying he put a shot off the side of the backboard? Was that last season? Yeah, last season from like the left wing, no, yeah. not a single person in the stands. I mean, it happens a lot. I mean, again, but and I want to preface this and say this rather emphatically. I am in no way, shape, or form comparing him to Khalif Wyatt. They're different players, different, different size, different build. But I mean, Khalif Wyatt looked completely overwhelmed. I think you guys can remember if you've been a longtime Temple fan, Khalif Wyatt's freshman year. They got their barn doors blown off by by Kansas at the Leah Chorus Center. And Khalif put a shot really, really, really missed the mark. And I remember a bunch of people saying, oh my gosh, this kid is overwhelmed. He's from, he's from Norristown. He's out of shape. He'd like, no wonder why he only had 
you know, Drexel and LaSalle and, and, and Delaware offers. And, and, you know, he looks, he looks out of place. What are they seeing in him? He turned out to be a very, very good basketball player, a fringe pro. He's playing overseas now. Again, do I think Quincy Adam McCoy is Cleef Wyatt? No, but it's a common thing for a, a true freshman to come in and be kind of overwhelmed and your first shot or for one of your first few shots really misses badly. And again, things were so helter skelter last year. I am curious to see if he just, you know, I, I think that his form's too good for him to not knock down a few more. I think for him, it's more confidence being stronger with the ball. If, you know, as cliche as it sounds, if your shot isn't falling, what else can you do to contribute? I mean, if a shot isn't falling, the question will be, if a shot isn't falling, is Aaron just going to take him off the floor? And, or if your shot isn't falling, what, what can you do? Can you get in passing lanes? Can you rebound? I mean, he grabbed a few rebounds last night. He wasn't completely useless in that, in that department. Yeah, well, well, I'll say this. I want to clarify that, like, that story of him putting him up the side of the backboard was more complimentary to him because mm-hmm. he got the ball back two seconds And shot later it again, yeah. And nailed one. So the confidence is there. He can shoot the ball. The other thing I'll say is he's taken 14 threes in two games. Mm-hmm. Two things. That means two – well, two things about that. One, he has the green light more than anybody on this team right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody else on Temple has the green light like Quincy Adamakoya does. Uh, number to just two, fly from three. Number two, and number if you two, do some quick math, it's seven threes <laughs> per game. Number two is that I can only recall of those 14 shots, one attempt that you could look at and be like, mm, maybe he forced it. Maybe that wasn't the best opportunity. Dante, your thoughts on Sam's? Mm. <laughs> he takes a That's lot good. of good shots. He gets a good. lot of open looks. It was a nice pitch. It was a good pitch. You got your guy, you know, good. It was good inflection. You know what I mean? You got your point across. Larry David esque. Yes. I thought. Um, uh, we've got Sam Newman's question. Sam, Sam Newman's, Newman's question. question might be the the uh the highlight, similar, similar to the Sean McGee question, but a little little different vibe here. We got a couple more here. Uh so Sam Newman, Clemson Insider, Sam Newman, alscoop.com alum sam newman alum yeah. only on the on the pod just a couple short weeks ago we love sam uh his question here you have to assemble temple's next coaching staff using current slash former alscoop.com staff members who are your choices and why i feel like i have an unfair advantage here because i have been the editor of the site since 2006 when you guys were were just Six. you know eating spaghettios and just getting into getting into trouble and playing with uh i never got into trouble playing with matchbox cars and whatever six-year-olds did in Bucks County and suburban Boston. Anyway, you guys go with what, you know, build out, build out your staff. Uh, Do we need to fill out like all 11 positions here? I probably could, but just give me like head coach, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. You can create a position if you want. Let me, uh, I'll fight it. Let you guys fight it out. Who wants to start? I'll go first. I wrote it it down. Yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah, I took notes. Um, I went with the people that I currently interact with the most and related to Al Scoop. So I don't have like any like history here. So I have John as the head coach. And we talked about Stan Drayton earlier. Like, I feel like John would be a very good CEO head coach, kind of like delegating responsibilities (laughs) and being very like everybody calm down, you know, like I could see that. Um, uh, What am I like? What am I like in press conferences? You know, I, I don't, I feel like you're, you're closer to Rod Carey than Jeff Collins, but not quite like Rod Carey. You know what I mean? You're more on that, like 
calm, like, you know, look guys, we just weren't good today spectrum, you know, but you're, you're definitely not like the showman that, that Jeff Collins was. I don't think that's you. I think you're more straight laced to the point, which I think is, would you say that I have a, I maintain a better camera angle on zoom than Rod Carey did. Well, that's, that's not a hard thing to accomplish. So yes, yes, I think you definitely do. I think you've mastered the the coach camera angle on Thank Zoom you. for sure. Certainly uh, appreciate I, the answer. <laughs> certainly disappointed by being the head coach. Um, <laughs> I I made myself the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, because why the hell not? I, yeah. I think that would be fun. We would be the most aggressive fourth down team in the entire country. <laughs> uh, we, we would not have to recruit running backs or punters. It would be phenomenal. Um, I made Sam Newman, the defensive coordinator. If you don't, because he's follow, just, he's angry. Yes. If you be do a very not aggressive Sam defense on Twitter. Yeah. It would be cover zero. Brian <laughs> blitz on, on every play. Buddy Ryan's um, 46 defense. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you don't follow Sam Newman on Twitter, he is just a very like angry at a lot of things type person. <laughs> yes. The Mets, Zach Wilson haters, you know, the jets, it just, it goes. People want this kid to fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. So I think he'd be a good defensive coordinator. Um, I have Kyle as the special teams coach only because I think that would be freaking hilarious. Like, I, I just like imagine Kyle, like watching a kicker miss like three straight kicks. Like with, it's just like, that would be incredibly fun. Yeah. He'd like throw his thing on the ground. He'd be like freaking out, you know, like, I, I think that would be really, really funny. So I, I put Kyle as the special teams coordinator. Do we run had, a lot of, do we run a lot of like a lot of fake punts with up backs and stuff like that? I think Kyle would be creative. I, yeah, I, do. I do too. I, I think he would be creative. I think we'd be like, uh, you know, Temple during like the Ed Foley era, if you will. Yeah. Um, I have Sam as a DB coach because <laughs> Sam has swag, and I have never seen a DB coach without swag, right? Like, who's who's the now swaggiest? Yeah, who's the swaggiest position coach? It's always the DB coach. Thank so you, Dante. I, I, yes, I think Sam would be a good DB <laughs> coach. Um, Caden, I have. Wait, wait, wait! Our, time out. What would I, Dante? What would I be like in an oppressor? Spring, Sam's spring like, ball. wait, 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 wait. We haven't talked enough about me. Keep going, <laughs> keep going. What Sam? I don't know. Like, I, I think Sam would just be like very much like you know, like the classic DB guy, like just very confident, like very like you know, get a great I'm, group. Yeah, like you know, uh, got a you good know, room. Runs a good room. Yeah, runs a good room. You know, we cover twenty four days of the week. You know, like just you know some like insane things. All we do is watch film. Yeah, we don't practice ever. We We watch film and eat chowder. Yeah, like I I we never practice. We just watch very much like a a football guy, right? Like just I'm the head coach. I'm saying you have to practice. (laughs) You cannot practice. (laughs) Um, I get your ass on the get your ass on the practice field. Sorry, Dante. Go ahead. I have Caden as our recruiting coordinator. Uh, Tell tell us, tell tell our listeners why Caden is our recruiting coordinator. So not only does he do the recruiting coverage for the site, the football recruiting coverage, but uh, we were at a Temple football game, and and Caden and I typically sat next to each other. And he comes in. I forget which game it was. It might have been like the Memphis game, or maybe that that or BC. It was either Memphis or BC. And he comes in and he just, he walks into the, the press box and he just looks like a mad professor. His hair is messy. He's got like, a, his shirt is like untucked. He comes up to me and he's like, he walks up to me like real discreetly at the line, like getting coffee at Lincoln Financial Field. And he walks up to me and he goes, I, I think I'm addicted to, to recruiting stories. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 
was like, what are you talking about, man? He was like, I DM'd like 40 recruits this weekend. I have like 40 stories to write this weekend. He's like, I've already written eight of them. He's like shaking. shaking. Yeah, he's like <laughs> shaking. And I'm just like trying to be like, relax, man. Like, you know, maybe you don't want to, you know, do that many at once. And so that's why he's a recruit. Like, I just imagine like, John is like sitting in his office, like, you know, watching film, right. As a coach and Caden just busts in and he's just like, I have 40 recruiting profiles ready for you. It just like throws them on the desk and like runs out, like to his own <laughs> office. Like, like that, like that's how I imagine the staff. Caden's like, this dude gets on base. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Caden. Like I had to, t- I had to like tell him, ball. I had to tell him like, how he's like, how many of these do you want me to write? I was like, let's wait a few yeah. weeks. Let's wait a few <laughs> weeks and see what the storyline is in a few weeks. He's like, Oh, I think I know what you mean. I was like, yeah, let's wait a few weeks. You might be doing some reaction pieces. Gotcha. Gotcha. Love Caden. Great fit Um, for him. Yes. I think he'd be great at my last one. I have Javon as an O-line coach and I didn't think about that until last night when I heard him yell about John Harbaugh and, and the Ravens who he complains about constantly, despite the fact that they're a perennial Super Bowl contender and have an MVP caliber quarterback, which is just absurd to me. But I think he'd be like a very good O-line coach. He's got like the raspy, the raspy voice yes. for it. He's got the mentality of like, just go out there and beat the crap out of the other guy, man. Like I, I could just see Javon being that dude. So that that's my Al Scoop staff. I put a lot of thought into this. I blew off about 30 minutes of, temp, of Temple News work to write this out. So. <laughs> yeah your eyes did light up and i remember you saying to me yeah that was extremely thorough yeah i do think that i think that i think javon gets like an associate head coach title kyle probably maybe throw dante in there because i can just see like i I can see i can see javon like you may be just looking at me and saying like let me let me take this one and him just like because he is like how old is javon is he 20 yet he's like 20 going on 58 He's yes. very, he's very <laughs> he much, very, very much an old soul would recruit the living heck out of the DMV for us. Would just be yes, a monster down there. Sam, you have something else to share? Yeah. So I'm not going to go into as much depth as Dante did because that's just not thing, anything anybody wants to listen to me say that Dante. Fantastic. I agree with almost everything with just about everything you said. My quick run through would be John head coach Dante as my offensive coordinator. Kyle is my defensive coordinator. Um, I Caden as recruiting pretty much was the easiest pick of them all. I love Javon and the O line. Um, Sam Newman, I think I'd make my quarterbacks coach. Um, I would say Graham is out. Graham Foley is our content. Uh, is yeah. just pure pure content. Mm-hmm. Tom McNudo, strength and conditioning coach, and it's just <laughs> them eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom would get those guys beefed up no oh, i need the, the I amount need, of the, the say it's all about the food it's all about what tom's like it's all about we're putting these guys bodies he's very <laughs> in on nutrition like the the food aspect of it see i've got so this is where i'm going to go in a little bit more depth with just like stretching out the ears a little bit more see i i Where's like rune too of rune is rune is rune's like uh an analyst and like a team historian, like Varun yeah. like fondly remembers things uh, and times for which he was not actually alive. Varun is the guy that comes into the team meeting and is like January 8th, <laughs> 1974. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's kind of look around like, what? <laughs> it was a day that will 
people live in the hearts of, of Temple football. So I think, Sam, I have you as my cornerbacks coach. I okay. need Tom as my safeties coach. And Tom just like teaches, like all of our safeties play in the box. Nobody, nobody covers and they all just want to take everybody's heads off. Everybody's a strong safety. I also need Tom to, to recruit Delaware County very heavily for us in which he will be yes. very successful there. Like he, he's going to, he's going to find, he's going to find kids at, at Haverford high school. He's going to, he's going to find kids like out close to the airport. Like just, he's going to find kids just, you know, at all over the place. I need him. I need him on the field. Jamie gray is our strength and conditioning coach. You guys have never met Jamie. He was like three, three or four Sam's ago. He was before Dalton ball phaser, uh, engineered the podcast. Jamie like runs, runs a bunch of marathons. He's in great shape. He's our strength and conditioning guy. Although I, I understand where you're coming from with Tom. I could see Tom having a little bit of a, a mean streak to him and saying, I need you to pound like four cheesesteaks from, from some cheesesteak joint on McDade Boulevard or, you know, somewhere, somewhere in South Philly. Um, I'm going to have my, my former assistant editor, Mike Mudrick is either going to be, I see him as like, uh, maybe like an analyst, uh, see him and maybe he's like my chief of staff, very, very measured guy, just a, a lovely human being. Um, yeah, I, Kyle's, Kyle's my, I have, I had Kyle's my defensive coordinator, uh, just because he's, he's just going to cook up some stuff. I see Kyle being very engaged one week and just devising a great scheme. And then the next week he just completely mails it in and we give up like 670 <laughs> yards. And I look at him and he says like, look, I got a lot of things on my plate. What do you want me to do? Dante is absolutely Dante is absolutely my, uh, my offense coordinator. I tell him to run whatever yep. the hell he wants. Like we go. Well, to be fair, never running anything. No, but... no, no, never run the ball. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, well, I don't know, but like maybe one week he's like, we're going to surprise everybody. We didn't, we have not run the ball in the first six weeks of the season. This week we're going triple option. We're going wing T we're going to run the freaking statue of Liberty on three plays. Like I just, we're going to do all sorts of, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, Dante is my, my office coordinator, Kyle's defensive coordinator, associate head coach. Sam is a co DC and linebackers coach. Oh. Again, just like, just like teaches that. every single linebacker technique, just technique guy, just like, just play angry. I don't care if you cover in the flat. I don't want you covering tight ends. I don't, I don't, I don't want you covering linebackers I don't want excuse me I don't want you covering running backs on wheel routes I just want you to be angry and blitz and just tackle people I want you to bite on on ball fakes you know kick tackle the guy that didn't get the handoff you know just he's, he's just angry and right before games we tell people like before he comes up with his game plan for the week that everybody hates Zach Wilson and that everybody hates Oasis and he'll be just he'll be just juiced up um I love Javon in the I love Javon coaching coaching our O-line, uh, like I'm coaching our wide receivers. I think they're going to be, they're going to be physical trash talkers. I, I'd be comfortable with him coaching either position group. I do. He just, yeah, he does gripe a lot about the, the Ravens offensive line, but filling the way of a, like, I could see him being a good O-line coach, toughening those guys up. Like I said, he would just, just own the DMV. I see him out, out recruiting Loxley at, at Maryland, uh, winning recruiting battles there. Um, Caden, absolutely recruiting coordinator um just and i i see caden having like a staff of like six six recruiting interns and and just just like working them until they're just just burn out um like caden's recruiting lab 
just you know wearing like some sort of lab coat and just just the glasses the whole thing <laughs> i have no reason i have nothing to back this up but i'm picturing Caden having like a small office and you walking in to like check on Caden's recruiting progress and he's got like six interns and you didn't know existed yes also like I we could have you guys haven't met Matt Vendor yet Matt did a great job for us I could also see Matt was Matt was a killer recruiting analyst uh Matt could be our our SID Matt if he's listening to this Hmm. we'll, we'll know why he thinks that's that's funny uh someone who shall remain nameless uh who was trying to line up a staff promised him that that job so matt will hopefully get a get a kick out of that um so we got javon offensive line we need a i mean we need a we don't really have a receivers coach right who's coaching the receivers who's coaching the tight ends sam you want to coach both sides of the ball <laughs> i will not i'm gonna have you coaching our defensive backs and our wide receivers and i will not give you a race for it <laughs> i'll right, give you enough. a parking spot i'll give you a really good parking spot and that's all like I need. lots of lots of Qdoba coupons. I don't have a car, but I'll take the parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a car. We'll get you a car at some from some dealership uh, in like Bucks County where Dante knows people. That's all right. Who really am I forgetting? Run down, but Don like Don Otto, our photographer. Don Otto is our videographer. Um, yep. Who else am I? Who else? I yeah, Dalton. I got to find a, a place for a Dalton ball phaser. Dalton probably maybe like our director of player development very very methodical um i you know what i i i, I call adam to michael and say listen you are or have you ever necessarily been an alscoop.com staff member no but we do a podcast together so now you're part of the media you come in you're my quarterbacks coach let's get creative here colin thompson i was gonna say is that mean we can it's been like let's yeah. bring in colin on this i mean colin I mean, really, how am I the head coach and Colin Thompson's not the head coach? <laughs> I mean, you know, we, I mean, Colin, I'll, honestly, if I call Colin right now, he'd, he'd say like, I'm in. So you bet Carolina Panthers tight end. I think he's still the offensive coordinator at Lower Cape May Regional High School. Colin is on our staff. Maybe Colin's coaching the tight ends. There we go. He's, he's a, he's our tight ends coach, co-chief of staff, something like that. Colin's just going to be, he's going to be, He's going to be our hype guy. Uh, who else? Who, I, I got Mike Mudrick in the mix. I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget somebody. I got to find a spot on the staff for John Terlecki, who, who initially gave me the idea of creating the scoop. So I got to find it. John is a high school, uh, high school English and communications teacher down in Delaware in the school district down there. John played some high school football. Um, I could see John being like a, like a co-offensive line coach. I know that you guys are, are, are saying, who are these people? But I think it's a pretty solid, pretty solid staff. Am I forgetting? Anybody? Oh, I, I didn't, I, yeah, maybe, maybe Graham's our social media guy. Oh yeah. Graham's easily our content. Graham's social our social guy. media guy. Um, he gets, he, I, I, I charge him with hiring some interns. Uh, that's a pretty good staff, right? That's a well-rounded staff. Yeah. yeah. So Dante, I think, win, we, I think we'd win the AAC in year one. In year one, clean up, no rebuild, clean up. Sam Newman's going to listen to this and just be like, "Why do you guys think I'm so angry?" We're going to say because it's <laughs> truth. <laughs> Temple Dave, one of our one of our subscribers, saw that question and said, "I would enter the transfer portal." So Dave's not <laughs> Dave's not down with our staff. Um, <laughs> didn't even hear the staff yet. He just he saw Al uh, Scoop in general, it. and he was like. 
I'm out. Temple Dave's going to come to me. Temple Dave, if you're listening, you're going to come back to me and say, you know what, John, I want to play for that staff. And I say, Dave, we, we did not fill your spot. Our arms are still wide open for you. Um, <laughs> we have a couple, um, I think one last question here on Twitter uh, from Andrew on Twitter. The Twitter handle is uh, debit dial, I guess. Um, uh, does McKee have strong support from the new athletic director, Arthur Johnson, always interested in the coach AD dynamics when the coach is inherited. I get the sense. I get the sense that he does. You know, I have not asked Arthur Johnson that specific question. I think that Arthur knows that Aaron is in year three of a retooling rebuild, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think Arthur has a great amount of respect for Aaron. Um, I also think that, you know, and again, I'm, I'm projecting two years down the line here. So this is all completely and utterly hypothetical. I think if, you know, if we get to year four and year five, uh, and there's no progress being made and this team still hasn't gotten to the tournament, I don't think Arthur Johnson is afraid at all to, to sit down with Aaron McKee and say, Hey, I know you're one of the greatest players of all time in this program's history, but you know, what are we doing here? But, you know, he's not at that point yet, but I do think that, I, I do think that, that Aaron does have support from, from Arthur Johnson again, but, you know, haven't asked him that specific question in a press conference, haven't had a long, deep conversation about it, but I do get the sense that, that he has support. So anyway, a lot of like, we promised you a mailbag heavy episode. We answered a lot of questions, a lot of goofy off the wall ones. We can happily report as far as we know that John Rothstein is still safe. Uh, He was not harmed during the, the recording of this podcast uh, I have now created jobs for several people on my, on my staff. I will be completely overwhelmed, have a lot of football to learn. I will lean on Dante heavily as my overly aggressive offense, offensive coordinator, fourth and 17 from our, from our own three yard line. Dante says, no going question. We're going for it. <laughs> uh, four verts are bust, baby. Four verts are bust, man. All right. Let me give you that before we close things out and you guys go on with your, go on with your day here. Let's, let's, Let's play that out. Fourth and 17 from our own, from our own three yard line. Dante says, no question. We're going for it. What do you run? And how do you convince everyone else on the well, headset I mean, that you're not nuts? No, don't back right. out of it. You're oh, all right. Mean, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, it depends on what defense we're looking at here. If it's a heavy man-to-man defense, right. You're going to run a run, like, you know, four verts, right. Like I'm just, I'm sending everyone. We're <laughs> chucking the ball up to our tallest dude. Hopefully he comes down with it. Right. Or you want to run like uh, you want to run like comebacks, right. With two seams, right. You're hoping you're, you take that safety if they're in cover two. Wait, you, wait, you've, really, got the, you guys... you've got the current temple roster. All right. So no, no GM blue. I'm putting <laughs> <putting. laughs> if I got the, the current temple roster, you want to you know, you give me last year's roster. I got Brandon Mack. I'm going for it. I'm fourth and 17. I'm chucking the ball up to him. Who's to say that maybe like a Jordan Smith, or Ronnie Stevenson doesn't listen to this podcast and he sees you on campus. You're like, are you Dante Colinelli? Yes. You're punning because you think I'm going <laughs> to catch some ball. I hope, I hope that happens. Look, I hope I look, witness man, it. I, I, Jordan Smith looks like a, a decent little player. He dropped a couple of drag routes this year, man. I, you know, you got to catch those before I'm chucking the ball up to you on fourth and 17. I'm sorry. I, Sam wants to make a, Sam is so excited to make a point here. During man defense, fourth and 17, our own three, four out, four out wide. Everyone's going deep, clear out the middle of the field. And then like Rayvon Bonner up five yards, dump it off to him. Fields wide open. Pass being thrown by Mariano Valenti. Yes. 
mean, who else is it? Well, I mean, I mean, I guess Dwan Mathis is still he's back as of now. He's back. That's my point. Sam's got That's Sam my... Newman's got some good young linebackers to work with. Yes, he does. Yeah. I gotta do I gotta get I gotta get Javon to get me some uh some DMV offensive line. <laughs> he's got well, you know, he's, <laughs> he's got kind of a big rebuild up there, man. Well, but somebody's gotta tell MJ Griffin to come back. Yeah, you know, we got a lot on our plates as a new staff. We do. It's going to be tough. Yeah, we got to prioritize. We'll do a staff retreat. Where would you guys want the staff retreat to be? Like oh, the Al local? Scoop Barbecue? Yes. <laughs> we should keep pushing. <laughs> Dante would want the staff retreat to be in Miami. I'm gonna oh, put absolutely. I put a big no on that. I think my pick well, yeah, would dude, be. We gotta, we gotta recruit those kids. We gotta, we gotta start a, a Florida pipeline, John. It's, it's, it's strategery. You know, like that, that's what you want to go play for coach DeCarlo. What's his experience? He's never coached football before. That's why it's, <laughs> that's why it's going to work. I think staff retreat Graham's house in South Philly. Graham's rooftop in South Philly. That's our it's retreat. It's not a staff retreat. I used to live in South Philly. It's, we need to, <laughs> we need to think bigger than that. Love the food. If we could get the food delivered from some sort Jersey, of lovely establishment. It's like we got to go to the Jersey shore, right? Maybe. Maybe that's, Colin, Colin's going to get us be. a place. Colin's going to get us a, a, a fine place to, to stay in for like a week, maybe a week or two uh, bunker down in, in Cape May. This time of the year, the season's over. We're taking over. It's the season's over. There's no bowl game, Washington street mall, Cape May, beautiful this time of the year. That's where we're going. Colin will take care of it for us. Anyway. Thanks Colin. What an episode. Thank you, Colin. Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, maybe by this time next week when we're recording, Temple will have a new coach. We will see. Thank you for all the mailbag questions. You guys made this one a fun episode this week, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>